Good morning. My name is Molly Jansen, and this is a recording for the social ethics class at Wilson University, Unit 5 Assignment, Class PHI 3200. Unit 5 covers topics such as capitalism, wealth, and greed. The following recording is my presentation and my views on the biblical and social view of capitalism, wealth, and greed. To start this segment, one of the things that I truly have my whole life wondered about is the difference between a hand up and a hand out. I think this week, as we talk about capitalism, wealth, and greed, we'll be able to cover the subject of a hand up and helping the needy and the poor, or a hand out and how handing out from our wealth may affect those around us. There is a marked difference between someone that is greedy and someone that is just wealthy and trying to build for self-interest or for even the interest of those around them. One of the main criticisms of capitalism is that in the presentation that we listened to online, they talked a lot about these people just building for their own selves and not sharing any of their wealth and not caring at all for those around them. And I know in many cases that may be true. During the presentation, they talked about Vanderbilts. They gave us a tour of the Vanderbilt Mansion, which has 250 rooms. And when the tour was completed, we were speaking with someone and the person giving the presentation said that Vanderbilt only donated 1% of his earnings to help others. And although 1% doesn't sound like a lot of money, 1% of that amount of money that Vanderbilt made is a huge chunk of money. At the end of the day, still, donating 1% in the eyes of the presenter and in the eyes of many people that would hear that is not a very generous gift at all for someone that is that wealthy. The point that they kept bringing up in the presentation was, does one person need 250 rooms? Does one person need this many bathrooms? How would you even keep a house with 250 rooms and this many bathrooms and this many dining rooms and this much of anything? How would you keep this up? Now, potentially you could by employing people that need employment. Maybe you need to have numerous cleaning people for a mansion with 250 bedrooms. Or for that much property, you need numerous landscaping or maintenance people as well. So in that, you are providing employment for others. And if you pay a decent wage and treat them well, then you are in a way giving back to our society. And that takes away from the greed and begins to point out that, yes, even though you have opulence and overabundance, there are times that from your heart, 
you give to others as well in the form of employment, which is different than just handing money to someone. It is giving someone a claim to their money. It's it's giving them the ability to have the pride and say that they worked hard at a hard job and earned a good amount of money. Another argument that is given about capitalism and against capitalism is that many people that earn a lot, many wealthy people that have a lot of dividends and a lot invested and have started businesses and they're wealthy, instead of slowing down, instead of enjoying their families, instead of taking some time off and maybe investing in relationships instead of business, they continue to try to grow. During the presentation that we watched, there were people worth $300 million that were driving for more. And when they were spoke to, they were like, no, our, it would be a disservice for us to stop. It would be a disservice to ourselves. Why wouldn't I want more? But it also would be a disservice to others because the businesses that we have built are helping so many others. Now, in a way, I personally do not understand the need to continue to earn. I I completely understand the view of wishing someone would invest more into their relationships and spend more time at home and not be consumed with the idea of building or growing or making more. I do view it sometimes as almost an addiction. And I believe in some cases it truly is. But when we take a step back and look at capitalism and we look at these people that are driven to build businesses, then we can look at just this year. So during this year, 2020, we were pushed into this stay-at-home thing. And if someone that had built Amazon or any online buying business or any online business at all had not kept striving, had not kept building, had not built businesses to the place where they were so large that all of America could access it, if they had not had that drive, these months and months of us being locked at home or working from home or shopping from home or anything wouldn't have been nearly as good, nearly as comfortable, nearly as accessible. And so I do think, although many of us look at capitalism and look at these people that are very driven to build businesses, and we think that's completely out of greed I think that sometimes maybe there is a vision that is in their mind of what could be. And so for online businesses, they saw the reward or the benefit of all of their work during COVID, especially when they saw all these people that would not have been able to get ink for their printers to work from home, would not have been able to sometimes get food if their grocery stores were closed, wouldn't have been able to get their medication because the pharmacy was well, not you weren't able to access it, anything like that. Um, I think during COVID, we saw more of the need for these big businesses that many people were against. So this year, capitalism has taken a whole different view for me. And now when I step back and look, 
I maybe was a little bit more prejudiced before this year against large companies and against rich, rich people and people that didn't share their wealth. And now I see it a little bit differently. During the presentations that we watched, John Stossel talked about some of the benefits of capitalism. One of the things that John pointed out was that there are occasions when a position that is paid for does a different level of work than a nonprofit position. And that was one of the things that he mentioned about capitalism. During the presentation, he talked about lifeguards and the difference between the Salvation Army lifeguards, which are more of a nonprofit and do it for a lot less money, but do it as a service to their community, as a service to the people around them, as something that they give from their hearts. And most people that work in a nonprofit position are givers. They're helpers. They want to help their community. They want to take fulfillment out of what they do for a living. Stossel talked about how, because it was a nonprofit, the training that was available for them made their level of ability lower than the higher paid position. He pointed out that because it is a nonprofit, they weren't monitored as closely, they weren't paid as well, and they weren't sent to as many trainings, which caused a laxness maybe in the Salvation Army lifeguards compared to lifeguards from a local business, from a man that used capitalism to build his business. When we looked at the differences of the two, the lifeguards that worked for the man that had built the business paid them well but watched them very closely. Um, It wasn't hard to get fired from there. You had to take pride in the money that you were making as well as know that you were doing a service to your community. You had to work hard. You had to always be alert. He was constantly checking up on his employees. And so the difference between the two truly lasted a lot on on pay, on money, on the ability for him to be making enough money that he could monitor the employees and that he could pay the employees well and give them that sense of pride in knowing that they were able to be provided for from this position instead of doing this position as a service. This is where I will tell a little bit of my story. I love service. I'm a service-oriented individual. My personality is one of a helper. I worked for a lot of my life to get a position that was for a nonprofit organization because I truly believed that in that position would be so much fulfillment, so much ability to help others, so much of the things that we long for in life, of being needed, of belonging to something larger than ourselves of being able to help those that are needy, those that can't pay their bills, those that are poor, maybe rejected, orphans, widows, all of that. So about two years ago, I got hired from a nonprofit organization as a housing case manager for domestic violence 
survivors. And this was like a dream job for me. Um, it was really great. It was, you would meet with people that were completely homeless, fleeing domestic violence situations or previously having fleed from a domestic violence situation. I would meet with a lot of them at homeless shelters, domestic violence shelters. I would make sure they qualified for the program. I would help them find housing. And then with the funding that the nonprofit had gotten from the states, we were able to help pay for their housing for up to two years with that also pay electric bills, um, supply some food, but most of the job was connecting them to other local things, like connecting them to local food pantries, connecting them to energy assistance, connecting them to work programs, connecting them to the right daycare for their kids, things like that. And so it was a job that I really loved, but more than any job that I had ever worked in my entire life, this job was driven by money. I can't talk a lot about some of the things that happened, but there was, in my position, a, a numerous times that I was asked to do things dishonestly in paperwork and in my work situation to make it look like different things were happening so that we could receive better funding. Because in a nonprofit, the funding is usually not there. It's harder for you to be able to do what you need to do without that funding. And so oftentimes I saw, and I realized that this happens at a lot of nonprofits, but at the one I worked at, I saw a lot of times that paperwork was being changed and things were being changed so that we could receive better funding so that it looked like we were helping more people or were able to receive more funding per person or anything like that. And that eventually led to me stepping down from my position and having to get a different job, which was a very hard decision for me because my heart was truly with working for a nonprofit. And up to this point in my life, I had had maybe a prejudice against wealthy people, thinking that they needed to share more of their wealth. So I stepped down from that position and I now work as an office manager for an upholstery shop that a man from my church runs. And we're currently growing the business. We're going from upholstery, we're also now starting to sell cars, and there's other things that we're doing. And when I speak with my boss, it's often forward thinking, how can we make more money? How can we bring more money in? What can we do to make more money? Um... And it's not so much capitalism as it is, we want to make more money so that you guys can make more money, so that all of us can make more money, so that we can live comfortable lives and that we can invest in things that we care about. It's rarely greed that I hear come from his mouth. It's often, we're building this business because I want you guys taken care of, I want my kids taken care of, and I want us to be able to donate to things that matter to us build things that matter to us, give to things that matter to us. And so oftentimes our view of what a nonprofit or capitalism is, is skewed by things that we've known in our past. And until we know the heart of the person running the business or, or the heart of the nonprofit, we're not going to see the true meaning of what they are doing. 
That being said, I am more for the idea of business building and employment than I used to be. I'm less against the idea of wealthy businessmen building businesses and employing the needy than I used to be because I've worked on both sides of the fence and I've seen what both can do for our local communities. All there are there alternatives to capitalism? I think I just talked about one. I do feel that the man that I work for right now is building his business for his family, for himself, but also for his employees and for the community around him. When we talk about building business, his voice often is talking about what does our community need? When we started talking about selling cars, he was like, well, of course I want hot cars. Of course I want big trucks. But what does our community need? Like, what is the biggest percentage of our community right now? We have a lot of single moms in our community. So what kind of vehicle can we get that isn't going to break down on them next week, but they're going to be able to afford? And, and those are the conversations we've been having. And so there are alternatives to capitalism. Oftentimes, a business can be run from a moral standpoint where a person can run a business to make money, but they can also put their heart into it and their thought into it and say, how can this be that we can make money We can do it with a good reputation and we can have return customers because we give a good product and we don't overcharge. Can we tell the difference between greed and self-interest? I'd be the first to say that only God can judge. I truly would. How would we know if someone is working out of greed or self-interest? Well, I think one of the best ways is to follow those biblical values. The Bible often talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And if you're working with someone that is a business owner and doesn't think about how their business moves affect their neighbors, that might be a little more out of greed than out of just the love of building a business. If you work for someone that is purposely not paying as much as they should or that is treating people wrongly or that is, um, I'm reminded of the Bible story of the man that owed a lot of money and was forgiven his debts, but then went and chased down someone that owed him a small amount and had them put in prison. If you work for someone like that, someone that is unable to be reasoned with, someone that is not thinking of how their business decisions affect others, someone that is unwilling to pay a fair price, that is more from the heart of greed. And oftentimes I don't know that they know that. Greed is something that kind of sneaks up on us, kind of like pride. We don't realize how proud we are in the moments. But if you want to know if the person that you are working with, if the business person you're working with, is working from greed or self-interest, I'd say read those verses in the Bible and line up their business practices with those as much as possible.
Is there biblical teaching on wealth? There is. There actually in the Bible are instructions for the wealthy. I know a lot of people refer to the Bible saying the love of money is the root of all evil and and that is in there. Um, but there are other things as well. There are instructions for the wealthy. In First Timothy six, seventeen and eighteen, there are some instructions for the wealthy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. I think that that encompasses all of our hearts as we are looking at the idea of capitalism in this class that I'm in. It's not so much that we're against wealth, but we're wanting to provide that line of when you are wealthy, what do you do with it? Are you able to find ways to donate? Don't become arrogant. Work hard and become successful in life, but don't think of yourself as better than others because of your material wealth. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, Moses reminds us, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Another thing the Bible talks about is not putting our hope in our wealth. Proverbs 23 and 5 says, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to sky like an eagle. Good job, or business and its steady earnings, as we've learned in this last year with COVID, can be here today and gone tomorrow. There are a lot of small business owners that were really on a good track that now are not doing so well. Be generous and be willing to share. I think the biggest thing about biblical view of wealth is that you were given that wealth for a reason. Everything that we're given in our lives is for a reason. We are stewards of the life that we live. People that have kids, they're stewards of those children. They're stewards of their families. People that have a lot of wealth are stewards of their wealth. I say all the time, I'm a steward of my time. And so when the end of the week comes and I didn't put enough time in my homework or I didn't put enough time in my church stuff or it's the end of the day at work and I didn't get my list done, Where could I have done better? Because I'm a steward of every moment that I'm given, just as the rich person or the capitalist or the business owner or the wealthy are steward of what they've been given, their talent to earn money, their ability to make money grow, their knowledge and investments, whatever it may be, they were given that as a talent and they are to be a steward of that, to teach others how to do the same, to use that wealth to help others, anything like that. Can a rich man enter heaven? Of course a rich man can enter heaven. The biblical teachings of how a rich man should handle his wealth are clear enough that any person that makes God their God and follows the biblical principles of wealth will be able to make it to heaven.
The biblical principles of wealth are basically the difference between a hand up and a hand out. We want to help those around us. We want to provide them with opportunities to help themselves. So the rich and the wealthy can invest in their communities, invest in their local churches, donate to programs that will help people help themselves. Instead of just handing money to random people, the best thing and the biblical thing for people to do with their wealth is to invest in their churches and invest in the people around them. It's not a one-time gift that you hand to someone that is just like a handout, but it's a hand up. It's creating a program. It's investing in a program. It's teaching people about money like you have learned. It's giving to local things that help people. Maybe, you know, your church has a program that's donates money to schools overseas to to the poor or anything like that where what you donate is going to grow something or grow someone instead of just leaving an envelope of money in someone's door that's struggling which is a fun thing to do it really is I've done it and it's very fun but when you are wealthy and a steward of that wealth the best thing to do is find ways to give a hand up to give someone a choice where they can take what you've given them and use it for their betterment rather than just throwing a chunk of money at people. I think when we read those scriptures in the Bible about stewardship and about helping those around you, it truly did talk about that, about providing ways for your church people, your community, your neighbor, your family, people that are struggling to be able to help themselves, giving them that sense of ownership, but yet also giving them help.